Lindsay Meeksmeeker, and I am the keeper for our Brendlewood Bay campaign. Hi, uh, I'm Chris Dierksen, uh, and I'm playing Eddie Rudubois. I'm Ben Ferber, and I'm playing Lane Walter. Hi, I'm Shannon Wade, a she, her, hers. I'm playing Doris McCoviak. Hi, I'm Corey Flores, and I'm playing Baby Garcia. Awesome. So I wanted us to do a couple quick uh, character things since we're going to try to make this Brunnerwood Bay kind of quick and dirty, but still get through like all of like our fun little void things. So I'm so curious just to know from y'all's perspective, um, this is going to be the, the campaign that we're going to start. The mystery that we're going to start today will be your first murder campaign, your first like actual murder case that you have worked on. But you already, the Mavens, have this fantastic reputation around town for solving lots of crimes already. You're just wonderful and magical in those ways. Um, um, so I'm curious about what was the last high profile case that you solved? What category of crime do we think it was in? Like if it well, wasn't a murder. Like if we're escalating to <clears throat> something very dark and very sinister, it should be, I feel like we're going just a casual sleuthing and we're going to go zero to 100 just to be like, where did Timmy put his bike? And it's like, oh yeah, I saw it at the grocery store. And all of a sudden it's like, and now who's dead? Right. Are we, were we pet detectives? <gasps> Chico. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking it was at, at, like mid-level, like I don't know, like the the president of the, like the Home and Gardens Club was like embezzling. Yes, they were like embezzling mo- fu- money, money or something. Like I don't know. Yeah, like they had a plan with Home Depot to spend money on expensive paint colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's a good question. That's a good question. Actually, is this the kind of seaside town that spurns big stores like Home Depot and only has the mom and pop like oh, hardware maybe stores? An, it could be an Ace Hardware. I mean, I think that they have a lot of mom and pop shops, but that doesn't mean that they are uh, that they are free from capitalism and the big box chain that wants to move in, especially in the '90s, because you know, in the '90s we get the mall, um, and I think like there's something to be said for that. I mean, maybe we fought a big box chain. Ooh, maybe that was the I villain like of the mystery. That's really nice. I mean, and and that also makes us a group of nimbies. So <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another problem. <laughs> it, it's but it's the good type of nimbies, maybe. It's the good kind. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's. But no, I really I think that's fun. I like that idea that in some way we like protected our community from like outside influence like corrupting outside influence that was like infiltrating decision making within the town or something like that like just from like a moralistic perspective of where our characters where our characters are coming from you know it also fits with being old ladies of this like righteousness it's like yeah protect what we know I I retired here. I don't want to. I don't want to have to leave to go to somewhere better after they they fucked the whole place up. So was the big box chain then? What is it? Was it like a Home Depot? Was it like some? Uh, it was it was running the hardware store out of town, or um, what I was feel, it? Yeah, I feel like something related to gardening or hardware feels near and dear to a lot of our group. So maybe yeah, they were if they're trying to push out the mom and pop garden store, like that would not stand for this group of ladies. Yeah. Walters. We'll call it Walters Garden Store. <laughs> is that the corporation or is that the home one? No, no, that's like that's it. the that's the one we like. Yeah. There was a lot of really great banter in that episode um because they got confused because my last name is also Walter but it's spelled differently. Well, <laughs> and it was really good because it was a completely uh visual gag that you could get in a podcast. <laughs> uh so then was the evil corporation just Evil Garden Center or was it just um, you know, Garden City. Um, it could be Home Depot. Are we going to get sued by Home Depot? If we, <laughs> Is there a trademark issue? Technically, we gave them a cease and desist. I mean, we'll just call it um, Evil Home Depot, and that way we know I love that, it. it's, that it's not exactly the brand. It's just, it was Evil Home Depot. Which is totally separate from the existing Home Depot, which certainly doesn't have a tremendous <laughs> amount of evil... And spurious things, and uh, it's Home Depot, but there's I mean, a silent Nick S in Depot. D E S P O T. Yeah, he's encouraging us to flirt with litigation. So flirt with danger and, and invite litigation. My mistake. So good, good calls. So your last case was against Evil Home Depot. 
Yes. Uh, which authority figure did you potentially frustrate in this process? Because, you know, you all are, quote unquote, amateur detectives. Um, and uh, there are people who do this. Or maybe it wasn't uh, a police officer or maybe it was another type of authority figure, as you were saying, like the president of the HOA or, or something like that. But who did you anger in this process? And you can feel free to name them if you so choose. Probably Chamber of Commerce, right? I feel like it's got to be the town, like a town treasurer. I don't want it to go so far as to say like the mayor of the town, but like something like, you know, the the bursar. I mean, the Chamber <laughs> of Commerce usually gets really mad the... at uh, at anyone who does like NIMBY shit, right? Because they're like, oh, you're, you're ruining the small businesses. And it's like, okay, that's Home Depot, though. It could be whoever owns Chico. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it should definitely be my neighbor. Oh, <laughs> it's I gotta be this. my neighbor. Yes, yes, yes. That piece of shit. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, fantastic. We can always give them a name na- later, but we know now that it's babies. It's babies and uh, Teddy's neighbor. This is my superpower, you guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's it's really useless outside of TTRPGs. Um, uh, Frank Spitznagel. <laughs> to be fair, he's a real, he's a real, he's a real guy who's, uh, may or may not be the resident, um, like musical accompanist for, imp- for musical improv in New York City. <laughs> so we are going to get sued by nah, a couple people. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. So Frank Spitznagel, um, we'll dedicate your, the episode to him. Yeah. Was in, in memoriam. He's alive. <laughs> but like, you know, in future memoriam. Fantastic. All right. So during this case, you, there was one person that you got weird vibes from, and I'm very curious, uh, but you weren't able to talk to them for a long time. Like they, they sort of kept evading you. Who was it? And why were they giving you weird vibes? I feel like it was like the the head of the parks department for our town. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's or they or she or someone we expected to be like, yeah, we love our mom and pop garden store. Maybe they were a little bit like, yeah, but Eagle Home Depot, like we could get a lot more shrubberies to line City Hall with their deals. So maybe they felt a little weird about it. I don't know if we want to get that in depth, but yeah. Yeah, they were really cagey and they were like, yeah, well, I don't like the Home Depot part of it, but I do like the evil part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we're like, that's weird. Anyway, off to brunch. (laughs) Uh, If you have a name, since Chris, it's your superpower, do you want to offer one for this head of the parks department? Um, Sure. Her name is uh, uh, Betty Jeremiah. I love it. All right. So just a couple more questions that I wanted to to ask uh, you all. During this last case, one of you almost blew the whole thing, um, but only one of you knows that that happened uh, because you saw it and you've kept this secret. So who almost blew the case and who saw it? Were the neighbors spying on their neighbor? Yeah, or you were you were bragging about this cool thing you were doing and you were sort of like trying not to say too much to her, but then you kind of did. I don't know. Oh, I'm not going to talk to fucking Frank. Fucking Frank. Fucking Frank. Maybe I like stole some clippings from Home Depot or stole a plant. <laughs> and got caught. <laughs> That's great. Perfect. Done. That checks out. So baby almost. So who, who knows? One of us has to know. Yeah. yeah. Who knows and has kept the secret that baby almost blew the whole case. Part of me thinks like it would be Teddy. Yeah. It seems like it would be Teddy. Meaning it would also, it will not come up dramatically. <laughs> it's just a secret that no one will ever know. Uh, well, we don't know who Teddy told. There's always a possibility. Teddy gets high a lot. And then I'm so curious, and maybe this is a question um, for for Lane Walter um, specifically, but what petty thing happened between you and someone else that you still haven't gotten over? I'm, just, I'm like looking through everyone because I feel like there's there's got to be, there's got to be some specific conflict it's not super big. You all still work together, but it's petty and you haven't gotten over it. I feel like it's it's potentially um potentially Doris like 
Doris lent me something like handy, right? Like Doris has all this rope, right? Is is one of the things on her character sheet. And perhaps like lent me something handy and it like instantly broke when I was trying to do something. And it's probably because Lane is an idiot and doesn't know how to do anything handy at all. Or yeah, yeah. Or I lend you some rope expecting it to get it back and then you like cut it up and turned it into like part of a costume or something fun. That's <laughs> and great. I was like, yeah. Lane. And you're like, you have so much rope. I'm like, no, it was that. That was a special, that was a special piece of rope. So well it I I used it. I was it was hanging something and then it broke because Listen, when you hang an engine block off the, the the garage, it needs a certain grade of rope is my understanding of what you call that. <laughs> so then I just used the scraps. <laughs> if you had told me you were hanging an engine block, I would have got you the spare chains out of my garage. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, it's what else fine. would I be hanging up out of, in, in my garage? <sighs> it was for a Rube Goldberg machine. Mm hmm. Oh, I loved yours last year. Yeah, well, I didn't win the local Rube Goldberg machine competitions, but I'm, I appreciate that you liked mine. Oh, we all know that was rigged. These things are so political. We will solve that mystery. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, Doris, what do you admire about Baby? And does it make you jealous? Ooh, definitely makes me jealous. I think because like, I feel like Baby... The cozy, her cozy activity is cooking soup and I have all these dried goods, but I think it takes Doris like a really long time to cook dinner and she's very kind of precise and methodical and is like, and then two and a half hours later, here's some soup and baby can just make soup in like 20 minutes and it's amazing and delicious and Doris has to work really hard to cook that well and I think... I think sometimes when she's cooking, she's like, okay, this this soup, though, this is going to be better than baby's signature recipe. And it never is. And I'm just like dropping it off at people's houses. And you're like, God damn it. I'm like, thank you so much. How do I make this? It's impossible. <laughs> just hoarding like tiny little containers of soup to test. <laughs> I like this. I like this a lot. I'm just going to bombard you with soup throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I guess maybe the follow-up question to that is, do you know that your soup ability makes Doris jealous? No. Okay. No. <laughs> but I want to find out part of the way through. And then I'm going to, like, up my soup game even more. <laughs> That's definitely on the agenda. I want to start harmless and make it malicious. I love it. Um, all right. Baby, what rumor have you heard about Eddie Rue? And do you believe it? Slash, have you talked to them about it? <laughs> I'm going to hear the rumor that every single gentleman caller has had their own cheese lounge to copulate on. <laughs> and I believe it's true. And I haven't said shit. You haven't but talked with Eddie? No, but I'm thinking for Christmas she's going to get a new cheese lounge. <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Um Eddie Rue, same question for you about Baby. What rumors have you heard about Baby? Do you believe them? And have you talked with her about them? Mm. If I'd known this was rigged to go back and forth, I wouldn't watch them Just kidding. Absolutely not. I, I think the, the, rumor, the rumor is that her vision is perfectly fine. That she doesn't need the glasses at all. That she uses them as a social crutch to get what she wants. And to like, to sort of like, get through, get to places different, and to get very close to people, um, uh, because she's a big old perv, um, <laughs> and I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> it's like that TikTok video. Like, Show me where you pissed from. <laughs> Show me where you pissed from. I'm dead. <laughs> all right, all right. This is for the group, and maybe there's like one one or two things between all of you that you can sort of decide on, but like, what's the weirdest thing that you've ever seen in town? And it can be pretty mild because at this point, you know, like it can really just be about small town stuff because at this point, the void is not necessarily apparent to any of you. So I'm just curious for our baseline of weirdness here. That one, that one guy who plays the violin so beautifully. No, can we say it's the trombone? Plays the trombone so beautifully in his window. He never has a shirt on. Like, what's that about? I mean, does he have a nice chest, I'm presuming? I mean, 
I mean, I, I've, I've certainly looked. I'm not dead. So, yes, I would say so. Is he perhaps across the street from you, Doris? Or <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean, he's he's yeah, I diagonally across the street. Caddy corner. Caddy corner, if you will. Yes. I think after our last mystery, I was tailgated for 45 minutes by a strange black car. But this is not unusual because I do usually drive at 15 miles per hour, no matter what the speed limit is. However, I did get weirded out when uh, we were near my driveway, so I did get out of my car with a tire iron. I do keep it in the little compartment next to the... Anyway, they sped away. (laughs) I was a New York driver. This is just what we do. This is our love language. Um, I think there's that one time that that, um, Marcus Whitmore walked his pig down the main street on a little leash. Never seen that pig again. There's a real law in my hometown that it's illegal to walk your pig on Bloomfield Avenue. That's rude. Hell yeah. yeah it's from like <clears throat> it's from like the twenties or something. Fantastic. Thank you all for continuing to do that a little bit before we jump in, because now we are ready, I think, to to really uh, to really dig into here. So before we begin on your character sheet on this really amazing um, uh, spreadsheet that we have, this Google Doc from the Gauntlet. Um, If you will check out your questions, your end of session questions is how they're labeled, um, and pick the ones that you want to use. You will always, of course, have did the murder maven solve a mystery as a question that you will be trying to answer to tick off, but you have other options and you get to change them every session and they will hopefully guide your gameplay a little bit. But if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and selecting those now. And it just sort of gives you some things to think about that you might want to try to role play this session so that you can advance. Because if you accomplish those questions over the course of this session, you'll be able to mark experience at the end of session. Oh, mine are are so easily discovered. That was the easiest thing I've ever had to do. Um, once you all pick those, the next thing that we're going to do is each maven gets to narrate a cozy vignette. So these are scenes in which you are um, enjoying your life in Brindlewood Bay. They can be in your home. They can be around Brindlewood Bay. These scenes should be light and breezy or warm and cozy. They should show the maven enjoying her hobbies, helping with a community project, or working around her home. And for those of you who have fun... Um, uh, Maven moves that give you something else. This is generally speaking where you get those uh, those clues. Um, so let's start with Lane Walter. Lane, what's your cozy vignette? What are you doing today? Um, it is, uh, should we say it's the morning? Yeah, it's the morning. And you do know that you have book club this evening. You're very excited to talk about a mystery. It's your your favorite thing, but it's not until later this evening. Yes, I think Lane is uh, currently on her porch smoking her first cigarette of the day as a um, as a sort of panacea to the phone call she is participating in. Uh, you can only hear one side of it, but uh, she she is she has a you know it's a cordless phone. It's one of those that like there's a base somewhere in the house, and but she's you know got a got a cigarette in one hand, the phone in the other, and she's sort of like going back and forth between them, and and just no. Listen, I I I get it's last minute. I I am so sorry. I cannot I cannot come tonight. I cannot come next Monday. I cannot come the Monday. It it is book club, and I cannot miss it. I I know it's an awards show. I I. I simply cannot miss it. It is it is an important it's important to me. And then she just like takes a very long drag <laughs> and says, "All right, well, I will see you Wednesday, but this is not Wednesday." And hangs up. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So then the camera pans over to a baby in in her house doing uh, her cozy activity. Baby, what are you doing this today? I'm outside stealing apples off Frank um, Frank's tree because it hangs over in my yard, so I consider them mine. And I'm also trying to see if Chico's outside. <laughs> Just cute little morning activity. I love it. So then the the, the camera sort of flashes over to uh, Eddie Rue. Eddie Rue, where are you? Oh, Eddie Rue's in the parlor. 
and Eddie Rue has uh, some rumba music on, and she's got a little feather duster, and she's uh, sort of like dancing to herself and practicing her moves and remembering the steps while she dusts her uh, collection, her her collection of antique um, bottles that Teddy gave her. Um, the the contemporaries. She's not going too far back. Those are a bit more of a process. And this feather duster has been known to, to crack a few. And so she's not interested in getting any of the delegates. But um, And that, that's not a rumba activity. You know what I mean? That's more of a waltz situation. And then the camera finally flashes over to Doris. Doris, what are you doing today? Uh, Doris is sitting at her little writing desk um, with the window open and the and like the curtains are fluttering in the breeze and she's got a little piece of toast that she's finishing as a snack for breakfast um, and she's feeding a little bit to Mouse, the mouse, and she's sitting down to write this letter to her friend Ethel, who lives a, th- a few towns over just to catch Ethel up on all the gossip. Um, and she's she's uh, Doris is like looking out her window and she looks into the house that's kitty corner from hers and no one's there today, which is fine. So she turns back to her letter and starts to say, Dear Ethel, you'll never believe what's happening in Brindlewood Bay this week. Uh, and as a sort of, the camera sort of pans away from you just briefly, all of a sudden you do uh, hear in the background of your house, um, your answering machine uh, goes off um, with the distinctive beep. Uh, and there's static on the other end of it. And then it's like a crackly voice that you can't really recognize. And it says, Doris, Doris, I can't explain just now. Deliver the writer's words to the doctor. Deliver the writer's words to the doctor. Do you got it? Deliver the writer's words to the doctor. I'll be in touch. Click. <sighs> the writer's words. They, they could, oh, couldn't give me more to go on, could you? All right, let's, I guess. And so she starts like rifling through books and maybe her own papers to be like, the writer, am I the writer? Is that the, am, uh, who's the, okay. Fantastic. Uh, so as like your coziness sort of winds down and you start to uh, proceed through your day, it is uh, the end of summer in Brindlewood Bay. Um, it's kind of getting crisp out in the air. Um, and you do start to uh, decide to go to book club. Who generally arrives to this candlelight bookstore first? Who Who's like always the first person to get there? Oh, it is Eddie Rue. I'm confident Be- because because she's got to make sure that she's that that, you know, she's. She's there just got to, to see if anybody else is there, if there's anybody new, you know. And also just to, like, look at the books and, you know, mingle. Fantastic. So you arrived to this um, this book, uh, this book, cl- uh, the, the, the bookstore first. And this is um, the Candlelight Booksellers uh, in Brendlewood Bay, which is an institution. And it's owned by uh, Janice Owens. Um, and when you arrive, Janice Owens is behind the counter and she's checking out um, Mabel Mooney, uh, who you recognize as being the daughter of uh, Helen Mooney, who recently passed. Um, uh, and Mabel is in her 40s about there and she's she's checking out from from this place. And Janice looks very excited to see you um, as you come through uh, and she wraps up um uh, Mabel's book, and you can see that in the title is the word chainsaws as she hands it over um, to to Mabel. Hi, Janice. Hi, Mabel. How are you today? Uh, and Janice is, is very excited, and she has like a, a look in her eye that's a little bit weird because it just seems like you know that this is a gossipy little 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 person, <laughs> and so she's just got like that look in her eye, and she's just like, oh, you know, just very excited for your book club this evening, just very very excited. Oh, and- lovely, just as I, just as I, Mabel. I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, oh, th- thank you. Um, you know, uh, we press on. Y- you will come to the to the show, though. Uh, I hope I-, I will. I do. I mean, uh, uh, my mother really. Uh, it's going to be. It's in. It's in a few weeks. But I, I was going to send the mavens the 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 invite anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, of yes. course, of course, absolutely, absolutely. We're doing and- Hamlet. You knew this, right? Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? It's my favorite of the bards. Oh, um, excellent. I just wanted to make sure that you also got uh, the little fruit cake that I sent over. 
you know? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, if you didn't and you want another one, you just let me know because the family recipe and it's very good. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Remind me when the show is? Oh, uh, in, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, I'll make sure that you all are invited to previews, you know, just a lot's been going on. A lot's been, a lot's been going on. And, and Janice, you can see is just like smiling really big. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, I don't want to keep you, Mabel, at all. No, not I at all. I have to get this to a, to a, to a, to a, dra- a, a dra- my, my, dra- my dramaturg. Um, anyway, excuse me. <gasps> What's a dramaturg? I, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and she just heads out the door with this book janice mm-hmm. what's a dramaturg i have no idea but do you know what she was purchasing i, I haven't the faintest idea something about chainsaws i saw it was a book she had me special order for her dramaturg and it's called get this men women and chainsaws what does that have to do with hamlet Oh, it's in one of those. Uh, must be one of those avant-garde shows. We'll have to talk to. Uh, we'll have to talk to you know our resident thespian when she arrives. I'm sure she'll know. I'm sure she will. Anyway, I can't wait for your book club this evening. Um, I, I have so so much to tell you s- after. Oh oh oh! After after. All right. Um, have you seen any um interesting prospects come into the store recently? Oh um. Not recently. Only, um, you know, all of the out-of-towners are going to be leaving soon, I suppose. All of the summer people, as it were. Oh. Uh, there was a very lovely gentleman um, by the name of Ajax who just looked quite burly. Um, oh. Had two kids in his 40s, though. So a little young, but um, not bad, not bad. I mean, I don't know. A little bit of rouge. I can put my hair up. Your, uh, your room is waiting for you. And she's still got that <laughs> oh, twinkle. Oh, no. In her, in her eyes. Well, you know, you know where to find me. Should any, any, you know, ideas arise. Always ready. Always ready. Fantastic. And so a question for you, since you're also the first person to arrive here and sort of set up our space. Um, mm-hmm. This is, this is a wonderful bookstore. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, I think it's like, it's, it's our favorite bookstore. So I'm curious for you, what makes it really special and unique for Eddie Rue? What makes it fun or what touches has Eddie Rue put on it over the years? I think what I like about this bookstore is that there's lots of tiny rooms that it's one of those bookstores where you're like, it's not a big open space. It's like there are, there's seemingly endless little nooks and crannies that have different sections of books. So it always feels like you're discovering something new and it's full. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's so full of books that it's like almost, almost a catacomic, right? Almost like you don't, you've got to know, your way around this bookstore to no, to not sort of like get lost in it. Awesome. Yes. I love that. I love that. It's like a maze. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I'm so funny. All right. Who's normally the next to arrive as Eddie Rue makes her way upstairs? I think Doris is always like three minutes early. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does Doris ever bring anything for, for book club? Um, I think, I think once in a while when she like maybe like every other book club, she'll she'll grab like a, some cookies or like a bag of chips from the store, the corner store and just like be like, this is what I've this is what I brought today. Fantastic. Um, so you arrive into this store. Um, Eddie Rue has already made her way upstairs and uh, Janice greets you and is like, oh, well, hello, Doris. Very nice to see you. Eddie Rue's already here. And she has that same excited, like gossipy, nosy person smile going on. Janice, can, can I ask you a question? Can Always. We, can we do a little word association? OK, mm-hmm. I'm going to say a word and then you tell me the first person that pops into your head. OK, you ready? OK. Writer. Writer? Yeah. Uh, 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 Herman Melville. Herman Melville. Okay. Thanks, Janice. And Doris is going to walk towards the, the meeting room. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so you'll make your way upstairs um, around all of these things. And the same question for you, Doris. What makes this bookstore so special for you? Like, what, what things make it distinctive for you as a place to be? Yeah, I think that... Anywhere that that they can fit around all of the books that pack this store, there's just really comfy armchairs. It's like the armchair that you always try to find for your own house, but you can't because it only exists 
somewhere else. And I think this bookstore has like a bunch of them in like little nooks. And I think the room that we meet in probably has a, t- a ton of really cozy chairs and couches. Fantastic. Uh, who do you think arrived next, Lane or, or Baby? Would Baby arrive early or on time or late? Because uh, Lane would arrive, arrive exactly on time. I'm late. Okay. <laughs> Lane, Lane always arrives within a minute of the time, but takes forever to unpack. Mm. Um, <laughs> so yes, Lane, Lane strolls in with like a slightly too large bag um, and, do, and sees Janice at the desk and says, Oh, Janice, hello. Is it the beginning or the end of your shift? Do you need water? I got water. And oh, she takes out a bottle of water. Uh, yeah, she she takes it from you. Um, she's very happy to see you. She's just like, I'm just I'm just so excited. It's book club night. What's there not to love about book club night? Uh, nothing, uh, unless you don't like the book. At which point, you don't like the book. Oh, I love her books. They're amazing. Robert Masterson, excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I I dread the day we run out of them, but it seems like we never will. I don't think so. I feel like she's she's just got you know. It's just like that that monkey to typewriters thing. Isn't that a thing? Is that a thing? Am I making that up? I might be making that up. But she can just write them forever and ever and ever. Maybe she's like that um that Christian guy, Stephen King, or Stephen King. I guess. Yeah, sure. Is he Christian? Oh, I said Grisham Christian. Oh, oh, John Grisham. Oh, Grisham. I was saying Christian. Cr- John Christian. Who's John Christian? I don't know. A guy who writes a lot of books. I thought. You got any good books? I don't know one about the law. Like law, like, uh, like, like law and peace. Sure. I think he wrote that one too. I haven't read that. I was in a, I wasn't in an adaptation of it. It was not good. Anyway, it's wonderful to see you. And Lane, like, like ambles up the stairs with a, with a bag that is like too heavy for her. I love it. You just like, yeah, I can just like Lane see. is like four foot six or like four foot ten. Like she's very short. In all of her movies, they put her on boxes so that she could stand up. Yeah, love it. Yes. Same question for you. What makes this uh, bookstore so wonderful and unique and like a home for you? Uh, it has a theater section. It's not, It's like half a shelf and on one of the very narrow shelves. But it has, you know, at any time about 10 to 15 very thin books which nowhere else in the the vicinity does. Uh, fantastic. All right, baby, are you are you like five minutes late? Are you 10 minutes late? What are you? <laughs> 10, 10 minutes late because I'm making up for it. I'm bringing soup. So I feel like that's an okay reason to be late. What it's kind of chicken. soup are you bringing? We're bringing chicken dumpling today. Bill's family recipe. May he rest in peace. Um, but I'm bringing a big crock pot full of it, and it's almost spilling. I'm, like, struggling to carry this huge freaking thing. Also, I didn't finish the book. <laughs> because, because, I can have good reason. I was using it to make my step stool a little bit higher to reach the apples, and I got it muddy, and now I can't read the last bit. So... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. But I brought soup. <laughs> soup fixes everything. <laughs> uh, so you come in as well. And Janice is going to help you carry this because you're like, a, like you've got this huge uh, thing of soup. And so she's very excited. In fact, especially because you're 10 minutes late. She's so excited to bring you up. Um, and before we get up there, I'm so curious uh, um, to know for you, same question. Like what about this bookstore is so wonderful and unique? For me, my favorite thing about the bookstore is the smell. I love the smell. Um, it's just got that very musty, like if you pick up a book and blow on it, you can see little flecks of dust fly off. And for me, it feels like a very special, like sacred place. I think like books are something super, super special, but also sometimes a tool when you are short and need to reach fruit. Um, <laughs> can you tell I didn't like the book? Uh, <laughs> but most books I think are really, really special. And I just, Enjoy that it's like a time capsule. Fantastic. Um, as you climb the stairs, you can see that Janice is getting happier and happier and happier. And Eddie Rue, since you were the first one to get there, I'm just going to tell you that uh, when you got to the meeting room, there's a schedule that is placed outside of the, the room that tells you who's supposed to come in when. And um, you see that right before your book club, there's a different book club. And that book club is called the Twisted Tricksters Thriller Book Club. And there's a name next to that, that title um, that says Esther Derwimple. 
And Esther used to be in your book club. And now she started a new book club. Well, this means more. <laughs> Not only has she started a new book club, but as you're sitting here, because you got here, of course, <clears throat> early, it's encroaching on your time. It is slowly and surely like coming into the Maven's book club time. Is she there now? Oh, yeah. The door is closed to you. Interesting. <sighs> How much time do we have before my time begins? Uh, because you arrived early, you do you like you can you can seriously be standing there with your watch um, waiting for this all to happen because it's definitely be. one minute past at this point. I open the door. <laughs> And Esther is sitting there alone, uh, reading a book. Hello, Esther. I have the room for 30 more minutes. I'm sorry, that's actually not true. It shows you right here on the, on the schedule. You can talk to Janice. I asked to have it for 30 more minutes. Uh-huh. All right. And she said yes? Mm-hmm. You can ask her. <laughs> okay. Janice! <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So comes up. We'll, just, we'll actually just have everybody arrive um on this kerfuffle, the big soup pot coming. Janice's smile is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now that we have you all here together, because time has no meaning and so it works out anyway. I'm so curious, why was Esther removed from this group? I should also let you know that uh, I'll tell you this in a minute. Why was Esther removed from this group? She never reads the books. And because of that, she always was like, well, you can't talk about that part because I haven't gotten there yet. And we were all like, yeah, Esther, come on. You can't have <laughs> it both you, ways. You only talk about it when you finish it. And she's like, no spoilers. Yeah. You could call me and say, only talk about chapters one to six in this 50 chapter book. <laughs> I love this. I think, I think, honestly, listen. I'm glad you called everybody else up, and but now that I know that, I 100% would have been like, so what chapter are you on? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, how much of the book does it look like she's gotten through? She's halfway through. Oh, oh, a good day. Hmm. Maybe a new, a new record that we've seen as far as we know. <laughs> it's true. So Janice has come up. She's helping uh, baby carry the soup. And again, just very big smile. And she goes, yes, yes, uh, Eddie Rue, how can I help you? Well, it seems there's been uh, a kerfuffle when it comes to the scheduling, a double booking, if you will. A kerfuffle? Yes. Well, as you know, it's uh, it's 4.30, so it's time for book club. Um, but it seems that Esther here uh, is under the impression that she has the room until 5.00. Did you not tell me I could have the room until five? And Janice just sort of smiles and says, I said that we would wait until the book club got here to figure that out. Oh, interesting. Well, Esther, it's figured out. I suppose, I suppose it's been figured out. Lane walks around the corner. Um, she's like just finished like hanging a bunch of things up on like too many coat hooks and she's hanging like the bag on another coat hook and it like sags a little bit. And she says, sorry, do you want us to fight for it? Are we fighting? Okay, we all need to get out of the way or nobody gets soup because this thing is fucking heavy and my arms are only two inches long. That may be an exaggeration, but I also can't see. I help baby with the soup. Um, Esther is like, you can just see like like a rock sitting in this in this armchair. Um, and uh, And she says, do you want me to get my son involved? And you all know that her son is Sheriff Darawimple. Oh, you asking the, you asking the sheriff to beat me up? I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm just saying, do you want me to? Because I think that that would be very interesting as people who like to stick their noses where they don't belong. I would Ladies, love for your I son have, to I beat have, me up. I have, a, I have a possible solution. Esther, you're perfectly welcome to stay for the next 30 minutes. We'll be, we'll be talking about, and what's the book that she's reading right now? Uh, she's reading A Stranger Drops on a Train. We're read, we'll, we'll be talking about that book. Which we've, all, which we've all already read, by the way. This is, I wanted to, like, this is not the book that we were supposed to read this week. It's just a book we've already read. So we'll be talking about how it ends. So you'll be joining my book club then. The Twisted Twixters. After, are you having a stroke? Are you, I, I mean, honestly, 
no, no, we'll be beginning the, 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 we'll be beginning the Maven and at our normal time. And you'll be leaving at the end of your book club, which is in 25 minutes at this point. Can I like roll for presents or something? I would love, I feel like this is like a, this is like a, I just want to like, I just want to, this would be like an intimidation check in D&D. You know what I mean? I just want to like, is that a thing? Can I do that? Is that a, is this a moment for that? Is that how this works? Uh, it's not quite, um, okay, there's fine. no way to like, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're facing something that you fear, then you can, or if you're doing something risky. So if you wanted to do a, a risky move with I Esther, you see. could, you could do a day move, um, and do something risky with her. Um, it's a day move. Hmm. I think I'm facing what I'm, what I, fe- there is a certain degree of like, I fear losing our, I fear losing our spot. You know what I mean? Our schedule. I, it's very important to Doris that we stay on that. That I don't know that we'll be able to keep Doris if we move the if we move the schedule around. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, fantastic. So uh, you've named what you're afraid will happen if you fail or lose your nerve. So go ahead and roll with the appropriate ability, and we'll see what happens. I think this. I mean, pre- it feels like presence is like. It feels like presence to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh God! Come on. First roll of this campaign. No James. And I'm, doing, and I'm doing it to myself, my last. If you fail at this role, I'm going to have to fuck this woman's son. So <laughs> You'll have to. You'll have no choice. I will. I would uh, have no well, choice. With my plus one to presence, I, uh, I have a 10. Fantastic. Um, so are you, are you physically trying to remove her or are you still just doing it with your words? Oh, I think, um, I, I think I would, I think it would be a thing where, yeah, I think I would just do it with my words, and I, and I would say the threat of Lane fucking her son. <laughs> I, either I, the threat of I, I, maybe it's a thing. It's like, well, you can get your son involved, and I mean, your son is a very very handsome man, handsome man after all. And I suppose Lane and I could fight over him. And that gets her to move. She stands up very haughtily and she says, fine, I never wanted to be a maven anyway. Nobody wants to be a maven. And when my book club is way more popular than all of yours, you'll be sorry. And she starts to storm out. And as she storms out, uh, and you'll see, you see Jen is just like ear to ear smile, by the way. She was so excited about this entire thing. Um, You hear a scream coming from um, inside the bookstore. Uh, it's very loud. It's very palpable. It feels like all of the rage and and horror that you can possibly um, imagine. Sounds like the only thing twisting is her scoliosis. But that's not that's not Esther. It's not coming from Esther. It's not from from this group at all. It's a different scream from someplace else in the bookstore. Is there a movie night? Do you have books with sound in them now? <laughs> Janice immediately starts running to the section that she thinks it's in. She's like, I think it was in romance. And so she starts to run um, over over that way. It kind of sounded like Bill. I think we I think we follow. I, I'm going to follow. Uh, fantastic. So you see um, a shaken woman and she's screaming and she's holding a phone to her ear and she's saying, um, he's been murdered. He's been murdered. And she just keeps saying it over and over again as she like drops the phone into hysterics as we fade to black on, on that, on that moment. Um, and I will tell you what you know, as the camera comes back up. And this is one of those cell phones that's like a huge, like the size of an actual building brick, right? Oh yeah. 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 Like huge, like, like, like one of those like unbelievably ginormous, like, yeah. Very wealthy woman, <laughs> this woman. Yeah, sure. Uh, it made a, a thunky, thunky noise. Um, so like Zach Morris phone, a Zach Morris phone. One hundred percent, a Zach Morris phone. Um, so the woman who is screaming, her name is Kylie Pearl, and if you look on your fun um, mysteries sheet, you will see that there is a place for you to take notes on this mystery. So you you can choose that down below here. <laughs> um, you'll see that there are suspects um, that you can start to enter in um, as I tell you things. Um, none of these things that I'm going to tell you right now are clues. You will know when you get a clue. Um, I will make it very, very clear. But this is basically you just sort of understanding the facts of the case. So the person who was screaming in the romance section um, that he was murdered, he's been murdered, is uh, Kylie Pearl. Uh, and she um, she is the wife of the deceased, 
What you know is that an out-of-towner, Homer Pearl, her husband, has been pulled out of the bay. He went missing a couple of days ago. The authorities didn't think there was any foul play going on, um, uh, going as far as to say that he, that Homer wanted to escape this marriage or perhaps um, that he had done something by his own hand. But Kylie never believed that. Uh, Homer Pearl is a professional rich person who served on a number of boards. He has made his money in buying and selling uh, sailing vessels of all sizes. And like his father before him, he truly loved Greek mythology. Um, the family is currently staying uh, at the Prometheus Grand Hotel, which is a fancy uh, hotel boat, essentially, for the summer. Um, Kylie is his third wife. Um, so it's her, uh, her uh, his sister, um, son and daughter, and the son's nanny. They are all there with them. Um, they have come here every year to rest and relax from their philanthropy <laughs> because it's very exhausting being this rich and they must rest and relax. Two days ago, Homer requested that the whole family have an old-fashioned fish fry on the Prometheus Grand Hotel, um, the fanciest hotel in town that also happens to be a refinished pirate ship from the 1800s. After a very filling and satisfying fish fry, Homer decided to take a postprandial walk on the docks and never returned. Someone named Dr. Tara Banerjee just found the body while doing research near her cottage. The body is currently being held at Etienne's Fish Tacos uh, because the assistant deputy, uh, Bert, uh, assistant deputy Bert uh, said that he that it was the closest freezer of appropriate size, but that they'll move the body sometime tomorrow. Um, before we get into this scene with Kylie, uh, one of you has had a previous run-in with this family. They come here every single summer, and that will give you some more insight. Who do you think has has had previous run-ins with this family? Baby, what's your run-in with this family? So not technically the family, but one of their housekeepers. Fantastic. So there's actually... Uh, a um, there's two people. There's a, a nanny, um, or there's a maid who works at the Grand um, Hotel or the the Grand Prometheus. Definitely the nanny. Fantastic. So the nanny's name is Misty Witherspoon, um, and she's in her late twenties. How do you two know each other? I see her at the fish market. Great, fantastic. Yeah, she's been there. She she goes there quite a bit. Um, Fantastic. Anything other other than that about Misty um, that you that you know, or like she about your your interactions? Um, <clears throat> well, basically, we just talk about how nice it must be to be that wealthy. And am I allowed to spill some dirt on what she told me about Homer? Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you some things that you know about Perfect. that. I just wanted to know like what your interactions were first. Um, but yeah. So because of that, you have an in to get some more dirt about Homer. Um, but you know that she's only been the nanny for a couple of years since there was a big divorce with the son, um, whose name is uh, Ajax. Uh, so since Ajax uh, got divorced, Misty has been the nanny. And I will also say, baby, that you're not blind. Um, she's really hot. Misty is effing hot. Like a very, very attractive, attractive nanny. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what you know. So we are now in basically this new scene where we have a calmed down Kylie. Esther has gone to go get her her son, the sheriff, because the sheriff should be know should know about these things. But also, she's pretty sure the sheriff has it under control. Um, but Kylie is now sitting in this romance section, as she has just sort of given you the facts of this case. What do you want to do? So the last time you saw him alive was at the fish fry, Kylie. Yes, uh, at the fish fry. We had the fish fry, and then he said he wanted to go for for a for a walk. Yes. Does he have any food based allergies that you know of? I mean, no. I mean, I've, I've been married to him for for not an insignificant amount of time. I think I would have known if if he had any any allergies of that sort. 
I may be his third wife, but but I did love him. I mean, in, in a way. I mean, it, he let me do whatever I wanted. So so I liked to plan trips for us all around the world and his kids. I, I mean, they're selfish and spoiled. But, Listen, but you, honey, love is transactional. We get it. Don't worry. You don't have to tell us this. But, but but you have to prove that there was no foul play, okay? Because that, that that there was foul play. I mean, that there was foul play because my husband wouldn't abandon us this way. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that he would not have abandoned us this way. Never trust a man. I mean, that's not untrue, too. I suppose. Well, here's a question for you: If if you have a jet setting lifestyle, did you pick the destinations, or did Homer? Uh, Homer likes to come here. For the summer, but most of the other destinations I, I picked, he really liked to be here. He um, he really liked Brindlewood Bay. Did he happen to have a lot of business in Brindlewood Bay as well? Are you meddling, Lane? Oh, sorry, that was in character. Um, well, of, well, of course, I'm 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 trying to be helpful. All I'm saying is, it is if there's foul play. It is perhaps a business associate. You know how these kinds of things happen. So meddling is a move. So I was asking because oh, I was trying to give you a clue. Me, ben. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Fantastic. Um, so why don't you roll to meddle? And what do you think right. you're using here? Um, it's probably reason um, because it's sort of like find, finding the find, figuring out the like, Okay, well, this is like a business guy. Which of his associates would like kill him for something is is what Lane's getting at. Um, all right, and so that is uh, five plus one, six. Six. Yes. Uh, bummer. Um, yeah. Kylie looks at you um, very, very distraught um, with like, you know, just unbelievable uh, betrayal. Um, and she's just she says, look, I'm I'm sure you all really want to be helpful. And it's really sweet that you all in your retirement have, you know. Done this with your time, I guess, but I'm done. I'm done. I, I'm I'm going to go try to see if I can't figure out if the sheriff and the deputy will We'll figure this out. Um, thank you. And she walks away from you all. I'm going to just, I'm just going to follow her. Just, just sort of like uh, put like, sort of like put my arm in hers as and walk around and say, I totally understand. Honey. Absolutely. This is, this is, it's all got to be too, too much, too much. I remember when I lost my husband, it was a horrible, horrible moment in my life as well. I just want you to let you know if, you, if there's anything that you need, you can just let me know. Okay, I'll be here for you. Um, uh, funeral arrangements, any anything you like. Um, remind me where. Remind me, are you going to be staying at the hotel? We're you, at the hotel, but but we really would like to be to be left alone. I think. Okay, well, I have a spare room if you need anything that you want. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, Were you meddling at all in that? Oh God, yes. I think it. I actually think. I actually think this might be. A composure role. Excellent. Because it's about calm disposition, right? Um, Works for me. That's a meddling thing. Um, But I am trying to sort of like, I think I'm I'm just kind of trying to like get her to trust me a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Lane, close this door. You're trying to reopen it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's a nine. Fantastic. Um, she, uh, she does pat your hand in a very like gracious and, and thankful way to you. Um, and, uh, and she says, um, I, I know that there were probably a lot of rumors about, about another woman or, or, or whatever, but I just want you to know, like those were unfounded. He loved me. I know that he loved me. Thank you, Eddie Rue. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So does any of that constitute a clue? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to put it is, in. Yeah. The second thing is, does this person uh, qualify as rich and famous? Uh, they do. Yes. So then I get an additional clue as Frank Colombo, because something causes the elite of society not to take you seriously. And when you're once per session, when you do a meddling move uh, in, in a place occupied by the rich and famous, you find an additional clue. Fantastic. 
I'm going to save that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I owe you a clue, uh, but you will get another clue. I promise. Okay, cool. So wait, what was the clue? Uh, it was the rumors of another woman. Um, that the room. Okay. I see. Cool. 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 So you all are now um, in this romance section that Kylie was in. Um, what do you want to do? What are you talking about? Where do you want to go next? I, I think as um, as uh, Eddie Rue is like over with her, Lane just says, well, that was a fucking suspicious way to leave. <laughs> Ask her about their, her husband's business partner. Your business partner, his business partner might kill him. Oh, I can't talk to you anymore. That's suspicious. That is suspicious. Yeah, I, I think you might be onto something, Lane, because you know, you know these, they come, you know these the summer people. They come in, they have all this money, and they don't want to talk about it. I mean, you're staying on a pirate ship. Like, I think we should just, I think we should keep an eye, keep an eye on on this, Kylie. Maybe, I don't know. I've not, I, have any of you been to the Prometheus Hotel? I've never been. I can see it from my window. It's humongous. Why would I spend money to stay in a hotel in a place I already live? Exactly. I've been. I, get, I get seasick. Of course you have. Absolutely. There's plenty of great, the cocktail parties are fantastic. Did anybody see what what book she was looking at in the romance section? I'm so glad you asked because you all know as you're sort of looking around that all of these books are hella queer. They're all, uh, they got like women and women titles, men and men and titles. She's in the queer romance section of this book, of this uh, bookstore. Very interesting. Um, that, that might be not a, mechanically a clue, but it certainly seems like a clue as to whether or not the rumors about uh, his husband being faithful, that there wasn't any marital strife in this relationship, um, just might be unfounded. Or founded, you know, whatever. You know, you get what I'm saying. But what's the book? What's the title of the book that she was holding? <laughs> if, if she was holding one and dropped it, uh, there wasn't one that she was specifically holding. But uh, oh, okay. immediately when you Sorry. said that, I was like, oh, "Sapphic Sisters." Um, so, like, God, I just yes. started like going through a bunch of different titles that felt God, very nineties yeah. to me. Um, goddesses touching themselves. I mean, any of these things. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab a bunch of these books to check out for <laughs> research. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think Lane is looking one. Well, she did say he let her do whatever she wanted. Whatever she wanted. Did she mean whoever? Could mm. <laughs> be. Well, ladies, I think we all know where we need to go next. And it's to see Teddy. Teddy's like our oracle. <laughs> oh, God. That's 100% what's happening. That's literally, we're going to see Teddy. The oracle. Go, well, well. Wait, Esther said she's bringing her son back. Uh, she just was saying that she was going to go tell him, but um, you have, yeah, you have on the table, you have the hotel, you have um, Etienne's fish tacos. Um, uh, Etienne is a very, very lovely fisherman who's about y'all's age. Uh, and funnily enough, um, he has a place called Etienne's fish tacos, but he doesn't sell tacos there. And he's always confused why people are upset at him that he doesn't have tacos. He just thought it was funny. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just a pervy guy. <laughs> He's just a pervy guy who is a fisherman. <laughs> He's got the body on ice. Okay. You also have the person who pulled it out of the, the, the pulled the body out of the water. You ladies want to see a dead body? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where we gotta go. We gotta go, and that's at Etienne. That's at fish tacos. Etienne's Etienne's Etienne. fish tacos. Etienne. Well. I, well Etienne and I haven't spoken in a number of months, but I suppose it's been plenty of time. Oh, yeah. Etienne and I go way back. This will be great. Also, because also, y'all, this is what Amanda, Amanda, like, go check out the body. We get to check out a body. Let's do it. This is, dare I say, better than book club. Don't you say that. I'm sorry. Don't you say that, Doris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. It admittedly has been about five weeks since we actually got through a book because we do keep we do keep running into things things keep running into us i'm pretty sure what about my soup okay we have soup and then we go yes let's have soup and then we go 
Dungeons and Drama Nerds is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percival Hornack, and Nicholas Orvis, and is mixed and edited by Anthony Sertel Dean. Our Brindlewood Bay campaign features Christopher Dierksen as Eddie Rue Dubois, Ben Ferber as Lane Walter, Corey Flores as Baby Garcia, Shannon Wade as Doris Makoviak, and our keeper C. Meeker. If you'd like to help us continue exploring the intersection of theater and tabletop role-playing games, consider leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice or supporting us and getting access to our patron-only bonus content at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddramanerds. You can find our social media and website links, including our cast bios, at the link tree in our show notes. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Dungeons and Drama Nerds.